It's Sunday, August 23rd, 2015, and you're listening to episode 19 of Roll Up and Die. You notice he's bigger than you? Yes. And younger? Yes. Bet on him if you like. I may! It just wasn't showing up in my little bar. Sorry, I was a little bit later than I wanted to be. I was engaging in the guiltiest of guilty pleasures and finishing the latest episode of Big Brother. Oh. Oh. Mm -hmm. And what is is that about? Big Brother is a game show Uh that borders on reality TV, uh, which I can't stand. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, but what I hate about most reality TV is it's not really reality TV. It's uh, like, you know, like it pretends like it's reality TV, but the camera crews and the scripts like it's like a show like Duck Dynasty. Uh, yeah. You know, you can tell that a lot of that is actually scripted. Like, all right, guys, you know, you, you actually do own this b- duck call business or whatever. But this is the scene where you're going to walk in and. Yell at the one guy for making the duck calls wrong. Okay, let's do it. And it's like, <laughs> not really. But yeah. Well, <laughs> oh my god. See, I'm such a weird gamer because I like sports and I like Big Brother and the, I get made fun of by every group. Well, no. Here's the thing. All right. First off, like Big Brother was like one of the first like reality style TV shows. Like it was like just put yeah. a bunch of people in a house and put a bunch of cameras up there and they have to you know try to survive to the end or what not survive but you know what i mean survive in the competition it would be a lot it would be a lot more interesting if it was was like like straight up like you have to survive in the house but yeah um, yeah life or death man i think everyone everyone has guilty pleasures and i'll go ahead and confess mine oh that's okay i love the show rupaul's drag race which is a uh, reality show competition mm-hmm. for drag queens nice it is it is the most I, entertaining tv I, show i think i've seen is it what's the i think i've seen an episode of that it's hmm. there's a couple seasons of of it on hulu uh which is where i've seen it mm-hmm. but it's just one of those shows where you're just like god this is just so entertaining like it's just <laughs> It really, really is, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand that. I guess the only r- sort of reality-esque show that I've watched is uh, uh, there was a relatively new one that I heard about and I've been, I've been watching called Forged in Fire, and it's a blacksmithing competition. Oh, that's so awesome. So, so, they, so they bring in these four blacksmiths. They give them some material and say, uh, you have three hours to make a, a working knife out of this, <laughs> you know? So they have to make this knife. Then they're judged, and one person's eliminated, and then the next, the, the the remaining three have to finish it up, and they put them through all these durability tests, you know, cutting through blocks of ice, stabbing into, you know, ballistic gel dummies, that sort of thing. Mm, wow. And then someone else is eliminated, and the last two get to go to back to their workshops, and they have to make, uh, you know, a classic weapon from history. Uh, they've done, like, a katana, they've done, uh, you know, a, a Viking battle axe, they've done... Uh, you know, as as the final sort of thing, so it's 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 really cool because I, I, being a, a blacksmith, I, I really enjoy seeing seeing what they do and realizing how hard it is to right, to make yeah. a functional blade in in basically three hours. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Where can it, I watch that, Alex? Is that an uh, online thing? 
No, no, it's it, I, I've uh, uh, I get it uh, online, but it's 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 on some network uh, History Channel, maybe. Okay, yeah, Dude. that sounds about right, man. I'll have to look that up. That sounds awesome. Yeah, if that's your guiltiest pleasure, you yeah, might you're pretty be the good, Alex. Person. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. Right. I'm watching the drag queen show. Barker's watching people dying in a house, and you're <laughs> yeah. you're watching the blacksmith competition. So, well, I, but it's it's still it's still sort of kind of a reality show because they still like over dramatize everything. You know, dun, right, dun, right. You know, and they they ramp up the drama. With I'm 20 this. minutes into the competition, and I realize I forgot my hammer. <laughs> And they do the, you know, the big like thing, and then it's like, oh wait, no, I, I have it, I have it, I just, yeah. I couldn't yeah, right, find right. it. It was, it was under yeah. this piece of paper. Yeah, just, just the entire commercial. Uh, the entire uh, TV show is done in post production, so it like yeah. it's kind of like Iron Chef or something where <laughs> it always comes down to the last five seconds. But in reality, you know that they're standing around for like three minutes, just <laughs> yeah. waiting for the timer to run. Right, down. Yeah. right. Yeah. Now I haven't seen too many of those, but I've heard that they can be really kind of backstab you with the contestants or whatever. Yeah, and that was yeah. the other cool thing that I liked about this is that without exception, you know, the blacksmiths all like, you know, shake each other's hand, good job, you know, that sort of thing. There, there's a right. camaraderie there between them. You know, some one guy almost passed out because of the heat because, you know, they're working with these, you know, they have four of these uh, gas-powered, wow. you know, 2,000-degree forges in this room. Right. And, uh you know, so they're all checking on him, making sure he's okay, and you know, it's just, it's great. It's not, uh, it, it, they're competing, but it's not a, you know, a, a, a you know, kind of negative competition. Right, right. It's not one of those things where they have the like the talking head where that one of the blacksmiths is like, "Listen, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to yeah, win." Exactly. There's always that one, that one yeah. person in every reality show. I'm not here to make friends. It's about exactly. the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's not, not, not nothing like that. <laughs> if I need to use someone in order to make a better katana, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll make them think I love them while I'm doing it too. <laughs> do you remember that period of time where like everything was becoming a reality TV show? Like Ice Road Truckers just yeah. came out, and it's like, yeah, they're like, let's pick a genre out of a hat. Oh, truckers, pick another genre. Yeah. Ice. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? You know, like like they like they do. Like, like they did on, what was that cartoon but the, you know where they're all picked by manatees you know in this big tank you know it's like what, let's see <laughs> oh, what's yeah. the reality show gonna be this week <laughs> right yeah. South Park or Family Guy might have been Family I, Guy yeah, yeah I feel like it was one of those two yeah. yeah oh no no wait no it was uh, South Park yeah it was definitely South Park and I think they were trying to come up with Family Guy episode yeah that's plots. what it was yeah okay <laughs> hey I was on the right track man <laughs> you were you were but Big Brother is a, a show that when I watch it I want to go on it because yeah. I'd I'd be good at Big Brother. Cause would I, you? Yeah, I think I think I would. Heather thinks I would too. Okay. But yeah, they, I, they would I, never I take me on because I don't have a six pack. Right. So I got to work out and become a sexy model, <laughs> and then they'll accept me into Big Brother. Because a lot of Big Brother is spent in the pool in the hot tub. So yeah, I could be the token fat guy. <laughs> but yeah. there's always yeah, it, it's yeah, American TV. You have the token of basically every single socioeconomic, every yeah. single person the in the microcosm. One house. The microcosm, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Well, it's good to be it's good to be back, guys. I'm glad yeah, that I'm man. back recording. It's with good you guys. to have you back. I, I missed it. I missed it. I really did. We missed you, man. We we uh, in the Jenny Green episode. I don't know if you were able to listen to it. I did. I listened to both the episodes you guys recorded while I was gone. Zero fucks were Sweet. given in that first episode. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seven in the morning for me. Well, it's, oh, it was, yeah, it was funny tough. because Teal and I were listening to it in the car and. 
it was about five minutes into the episode and Barker <laughs> goes, does the segue into the topic and Tila goes, wow, they got to the topic a lot faster than they do when you're there. And I was like, I was like, I said, Tila, just wait. And you guys diverted for another 10 minutes after you introduced the topic. I was like, what did I say? I knew yeah. they weren't getting to the topic yet. <laughs> well, this past one, which uh, just came out, I had I had to we had we had some some banter at the beginning and I had to end up cutting out most of it because we went way over time. I mean, we were like yeah, an the hour episode and a was still seventy minutes long. Yeah, even with that I'm, cut out. So yeah, we had like yes. an hour and a half of, of footage. I, I I got the files and I'm looking at them. I was like, holy crap! That's <laughs> well, a, a lot of that. A lot of sound. That episode was awesome. Like I listened to yeah. it today and just the amount of good ideas and good like advice that you guys were were handing out and i was just like man i i'm sitting there like okay i want to say this okay i want to say this like like we were recording it almost right. like okay when it when it the next the next uh, opening i'm gonna say this you know and i was like man i wish i could have been there to record that because it was just it's such good advice about traps and how to make them how to make them you know more how to make them more so I really enjoyed it. You guys did well, a good the, job. The Kearney brothers are a lot of fun too. So they are. They are. They're, mm-hmm. they're, easy, they're really easy to work with. They are. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm hoping that you didn't have to edit out any brotherly spats because they. Uh, oh oh dude. no. <laughs> no. No. They no, didn't. No, no, no. They, you know what? That was a little disappointing. They didn't get into one. Uh, I didn't feel because usually what what will happen is we'll be having like a conversation like when we were in Washington, Heather and I are on the ferry with uh, Cassie, James and Tim and Tim and James are talking to us and we're having a great conversation. And all of a sudden, there's like one minute detail in a story that they disagree with with each other on. (laughs) And, And then Heather and I, without choice in the matter become spectators and we are now watching <laughs> this clusterfuck <laughs> argument about whether or not a stand a food stand at a disney world was in the shape of a cabin or was it a cart and and they and they looked it up and it, it was a cabin cart like it was both anyway <laughs> For 10 I know <laughs> it's just hilarious because it'll be like Tim will be telling a story and James will be like, "Now hang on, you're not telling it right. You're not you you messed up that detail or whatever." And Tim will be like, "Oh, I did it!" And then it'll just it'll spiral from there, and you realize I'm never going to hear the end of this story. It's never going to happen. <laughs> or Tim will say it doesn't matter, and James is like, "Yes, yeah. it does." Like, <laughs> the, and it will like it'll be like the crescendo of the story will rely exactly on this, yeah. yeah. Oh my we gosh. need to have him back on and just tell him, hey, can you guys like just argue just for argue. an hour? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we just roll up and die. Sp- very specific questions about, about maybe their childhood or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you guys come on, we'll give you one shot. One shot. One shot. <laughs> one shot. That was the worst segue. Uh, because I, and Barker, I, I, I wasn't going to do a segue this time because last time I tried to do segues, I did the last two and they bombed. So I, I thought they I, were they were great segues, but everyone was just like, "Oh, okay, we're yeah, not done the, talking here, fit, Alex." Actually, I didn't say I bombed them; I said they were bombed. Someone bombed oh. them. Yeah, <laughs> someone ran into Barker, them with a bomb strapped to them and blew up my segues. That's what they did. Oh, here's how bad that segue was, Barker. I'm in this podcast; like, I know what we're going to talk about. And when uh-huh. you said that, I was like, "What the I, fuck?" Yeah, I didn't is get Barker it. Talking about? I know, I know you were, and I knew you know, and I was like, "Am I going to wait?" <laughs> until a really perfect moment comes up and say it and then everyone's like ooh Barker good job or nope. am I just gonna say it now well it was just it, you were like one shot and I was like okay I'm waiting for him to finish his thought okay we're gonna have to edit this out 
Oh wow, he's still not saying anything. Oh, he said one shot again. What is did he, he talking did about? Did he disconnect? Did he, is, is, is he still did he there? An, he had an aneurysm. <laughs> Bark, you having a stroke? <laughs> but yeah, that is yeah. our topic. One awesome. shot. We're talking about one shots, which is a subject that I have absolutely zero experience with because every single one of my one shot games has turned into a campaign. So I am here as a. Uh, Glorified, a failed uh, one shot runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm here as a as a student to the masters. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a master by any stretch of the imagination, but thank you. Um. Okay. Uh, how many times did we reference one of your games in the last podcast? Uh, I don't know. A couple times. You talked about the Sentinel Gate and the elevator yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. That was it. <laughs> all right good to be back guys i'll uh i'm gonna take another three-week vacation welcome to our uh our shaky but still getting the <laughs> getting the hang of it again <laughs> rpg podcast <laughs> uh, my name is barker and my name is matt from a fistful of dice and my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnock. Man, just talk. All right, one shots. Where to begin? At the beginning. <laughs> Do you guys well, first wanna... off, first off, oh, first ahead, off, what is a one shot? I, I feel oh. like a lot of people are, say, what is a one shot? What constitutes a one shot? How is it different from a campaign? Someone, does someone want to explain okay. to the viewers? They're, I know they're not viewers, but yeah. to the people. <laughs> to, the, to the people. Explain it to the people. People staring at their iPod. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, it. and I may not know much about how to run a great one-shot, but I do know what a one-shot is. So Go for it, Barker. I'm going to take this. A one-shot yep. game is basically a game that you play for one session. You assemble your group, and you say, hey, guys, I want to run this system. I want to run this plot. Um, we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be maybe three, four hours long, and we're just gonna play one RPG session that encompasses an entire plot or story. We're yeah. not gonna play two or three. We're gonna do one game. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell. And it's it's become a huge, it's become hugely popular, uh, especially with this kind of explosion that we've seen in online gaming, mm. especially like with Google Hangouts, with Roll Twenty, all these different kind of forums that people can use to play in games but you know we're, we're quickly realizing that we're adults now and we don't have time to play in a lot of like long-running games mm-hmm. uh, occasionally we just want to jump in and say hey i wonder what fate fate's like i wonder what cthulhu's like you know mm-hmm. let's play in this one game so it's the it's the gaming equivalent of playing a game of basketball with whoever happens to be on the court at the time. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. just you know a pick up and play type situation. And like you're saying, Barker, it's a really good way of trying out different systems or mm-hmm. trying out different techniques. Like, hey, I want to play a D and D game, but I want to play level 15s. I really want to test out some high level stuff or yeah. you know, or whatever. So it's it's a it's a good way of experimenting. I found. <laughs> It's also a good way to search out other compatible players, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you, like you were saying, Barker, there's a lot more gaming online than there used to be with the advent of of Google Hangouts and Skype and and other things. More people are playing online, and now we have this this um, this wealth of other players that we can play with. You know, yeah. there are thousands, you know, literally from around the world, and so you know we can we can be a bit more. 
picky, so to speak, and find people who we're compatible with. You know, so you can you can sort of date them through uh, yeah through yeah, one shots. Sure. You know, get get a feel for their style. They get a feel for your style, and see if they're compatible. And sometimes it works out like it did with the provokers. And sometimes you're like, I'll call you sometime. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't, call, don't call us. No right. second date for this for this game group. No, it's true though. It's a it's a really good way of finding your gaming A team where it's like, oh, I had really yeah. good time playing with these two guys from this game and that person from that game and that person from that game. So I'm gonna bring all of them together and that's yep. when I'm gonna do my campaign with these people. So And um, I, I yeah. would like to run one shots in the future and what I've done is I've I've watched a lot of other one shots that have already been run because there's so many now on YouTube because so many people record them. Uh, specifically, you know, yours too, Matt, where I will, like the Umbercloaks one, uh, where I will watch them and say, oh, I want that person in my one shot. Like, I'm right. going to contact that person and say, hey, will you play in this Star Wars Rogue Squadron game that I want right. to run? You know, something, mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah. like you said, great way to find players. Well, and so many of us are still learning how to run one shots because it is such a new a new thing mm-hmm. and um i mean there are there are more games coming out too that are sort of designed to be one shots uh the design for that sort of thing like first one that comes to mind is dread mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it's really meant to be a, a one-shot game now obviously that, that's not an online um the, the, I've well, been that, looking. I've been looking for digital <laughs> Jenga towers that, I know. You can, that I everybody know. can it, access. It would be so. It, it would be so. Hard, it would be very cool, but it'd be really hard to get that same sort of tension that you get from that that uh, that dread tower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, we're, 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 still, we're still trying to figure it out. And I've I've learned a lot of things just in the past, uh, you know, six months or so about uh, six months to a year about running one shots. That each time I run one, I look at things like, ah, damn, I should have done this, or I wish I had done this differently, and mm-hmm. and just realizing how different they are because with a campaign you can have that slow burn that slow build up you can have these long plot you know plot arcs and uh but in a uh in a one shot you have to hit the ground running and you know get it done in four hours which is you know about the average time yeah, you don't really have time to do the meet cute in the tavern in a, in a one shot. You know, you're, you yeah. usually a one shot will start sort of, you know, in <laughs> in media res. res like like uh, the well, it was it was two sessions, but it was intended to be sort of just yeah. one thing. Alex, your pipeline game. Mm-hmm. It's like we started the game with the plane crashing. Like we were, yeah. you know, that's how the game started, and that's a perfect way to to sort of start. It's just like. It's it's an episode. It's one episode of a TV show that needs to be its own contained little thing, and so you start mm-hmm. where the action is starting, ideally. Yeah, that that's one of the big things I found, and that's why, you know, that's one of the things I learned was uh, starting off with excitement, starting off in the middle of things, starting off if you can start off in a chase, in an, in an explosion, getting up off the floor after you know um, your car has just rolled, you know, whatever it happens to be, start in the middle because. That way, you don't have to go through all that other stuff. You just you get them into the action immediately. Exactly. Because, like you said, mm-hmm. if you start off in a tavern, if you've got good role players, you'll be lucky to be out of the tavern in two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just you just ran the tavern one shot. Good job, everybody. Right. That, was, that was a lot of fun. The bar simulator. Yeah. <laughs> the bar simulator. But, yeah. Um, exactly. And I think you know what that kind of brings up. You're kind of bringing up, Alex, some of the the pitfalls that people can fall into when they're running a one-shot game. Because you know you can. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of difficulties 
in running a one-shot game that are not necessarily difficulties in running a campaign. So uh, I think this would be a good time to actually come up with like the world's worst one-shot. <laughs> like, oh, wow. And just describe it if you guys want to. The world's worst one-shot? Well, I'm, as in, you know, cr- what are some horrible, horrible, right. yeah. cliche things that could happen in a one-shot? You, you go oh. first, Matt. Well, okay. Oh, I'm, nope, nope. Alex was already starting to talk. Sorry. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> well, one of the worst things you can do is not have all the characters know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, it kind of ties into the tavern thing. But if you have, if if you have it where all the characters have to meet, then that's going to eat up a whole bunch of your time right there. And yeah. although that's that's that, that could be a fun part of role playing, for a one shot, I mean, unless that, unless the goal is that sort of thing, um, you know, you're going to want to start them off knowing each other and being together for you know whatever reason. Yeah, and that doesn't that doesn't take away from the role play aspect, like you're right. saying, Alex, because you get, then you can kind of during the session come up with like things that you've done together and little mm-hmm. past, like hey, remember the <clears throat> you know remember the job in Florida that we had together and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you can kind of build you know character from that. So you don't necessarily need to have that like hello, how are you? Like I, we've never met before, even though we're supposed to be in this party together type situation. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, having all the characters know each other is definitely. Uh, a good thing. And mine kind of relates to exactly that, but having a two-hour exposition, yeah. Like, and that's usually <clears throat> that usually sp- spawns from having the characters not know each other, yeah. uh, thinking that oh well, you know, it's still session one of a, some sort of game, so we have to have the characters meet because that's what you always do in the be- beginning of a campaign. Right. There's right. nothing wrong with turning this into an episode of CSI or an episode yeah. of uh, some sort of action. TV show and just you know making it episodic, kind of like you mentioned. Uh, maybe they they know each other because of previous missions they've been on. Yeah, it, it's uh, one shot can kind of be like a snapshot in 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 the lives of of who these people are. So yeah, and then I, I would say like um, a bad thing for one shots is a lack of direction for the players. You mm-hmm. don't want to set up a game necessarily like you would with a campaign where it's very open-ended and they can kind of go where they want and follow different plot hooks and sort of mm-hmm. explore to their heart's content. You kind of want the objective pretty clear from the outset so that mm-hmm. the players know what they're yeah. getting into and what they can expect. And, you know, you can have twists and turns from there and you can have uh, player agency on a smaller scale where it's like, do you want to go this way or do you want to go this way? How do you want to deal with this situation and this situation? But in terms of like a sandbox, you can't really pull something like that off in a one shot and it'll drag and be a little bit too muddled I think if you mm-hmm. if you don't have a clear direction. Where do you guys want to go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, you guys can do whatever you want. It's like, okay, well we got three hours, so give us something to do. You know what I mean? Right. There have been quite a few people that would ask me, hey, you know, I'm having trouble making this one shot because I really just don't, I don't want to railroad my players. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking like, you know what, honestly, railroading your players in a one shot is really not that terrible. No, it's not. You don't want to railroad their decisions, but as in like, you know, or their creativity and how they solve problems. But, you know, like you said, Matt, clear objective, like you are trying to destroy this massive robot in the middle of new york city that is the goal so yeah get started like well and the other thing too is like um actually uh uh, yarl dm lloyd he Mm -hmm. runs a lot of one shots um yeah and uh at one point he was running like two or three a day 
Um, and he had a video one time where he was talking about how he exclusively railroads in his one shots, but that he creates the illusion of choice mm -hmm. and how he has in his mind scenes that are going to happen in the one shot, like this combat's going to happen and they're going to have to overcome this trap and solve this mm -hmm. puzzle. But he has the scenes happen in whatever order the players kind of dictate, sort of making the illusion that they're they're sort of, you know, driving the train but he's still putting tracks down in front of it yeah. like he's still yeah. got it on the guy that he has set for sure now, go, ahead. go ahead no please no, i was just gonna say yeah i mean there's a lot of ways you can sort of limit the the player you can sort of limit the players without um you know determ you know being too deterministic like mm -hmm. uh for example uh you can limit them by the setting you know in other words if if the if the one shot takes place on a boat, you know they're obviously extremely limited right from the get go. They have oh, no place yeah. to go, um, right. so you can limit it uh, in a way. All the limiting is done in the preparation for it. You know, you, you, the setting, um, the situation. Uh, you know, uh, if someone has a bomb that's attached to them that they have to defuse, <laughs> or they have they have to get some sort of thing that defuses it. And it's over there, <laughs> you know. Then they have no choice but right. to get it if they want to survive. So the railroading, if possible, should be done at the very beginning, like before the game starts, yeah. and then and then you know let them run through the the maze you've created. Right, and I think that's a your pipeline game was a good example of that, Alex. Hmm. Where it's like you know we only have one direction we can go if we want to complete the mission. Yeah. And yeah. from there, there are you know there were three or four different locations that we could decide to go to. And it was you almost had it set up almost like a dungeon, but like outside. <laughs> so it's like instead of walls, there's just bleak wilderness. So it's like you can either go to these two or three locations, or you can wander out into the frozen waste and, <laughs> and die. die. Like those are your choices. Exposure. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like yeah, it's exactly. like it's like that the illusion of choice, where it's like yes, we do have some agency, but it is it's the locations, the things that are happening are things that, that you have set in front of us and we're just kind of de deciding where we're going to go first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the question I have for you is, uh, Matt, is yeah. this then? Because, you know, as someone who wants to run a one-shot in the near future, I have two mm -hmm. planned. Because um, what you've done is something really cool. You've had this homebrew world that you're running the Provokers in, Aranoth. And in order to help yourself flesh out the rest of this world, you've just run one-shots in these different locations that the Provokers hadn't been to. Yeah. And brilliant idea. And I think anybody listening should really try that. If you have a homebrew world mm -hmm. and you just want to take a break with your home group from the campaign, run a one-shot somewhere else with completely different characters. Try that yeah. out. But the question I have for you in watching the Umber Cloaks game, Matt, mm -hmm. is you did have a little bit of an exposition in there. But the game itself did not seem like it slowed down. It didn't creep to a halt. It was actually done in kind of a, I don't know, a creative way. And what advice would you give myself or anybody else? How would you have some sort of lead-in exposition? This is what we're playing. This is what you're watching if you're watching it live mm. uh, uh, without you know grinding the game to a complete stop. Uh, well, for me, it's just, I always try to, whenever I start out a session or if I'm starting a campaign, just give just the briefest exposition that, it, any exposition that doesn't directly affect the game, I'm not going to talk about it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, in the Umber Cloaks game, I'm not going to say, you know, 
here's what's going on in the rest of Aranoth. It's like, no, here's mm-hmm. what's going yeah. on in the town that you guys are in right now, and yeah. here's the mission. And and for me, it was also, I needed to introduce somewhat the 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 organization of the Umber Cloaks because, you know, I, I needed to set the precedent of, you know, they're kind of like thieves and assassins, but they have a code of honor and, you know, uh, so kind of explaining that to the audience too, but it's it's really is just like focused. It's like, what 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 is the information that needs to be said to the players in the audience? And for my benefit, it helps to kind of write out a few sentences on a note card or something so I can make sure that I'm hitting those important points and not going too far beyond them. And I, I totally forgot about this, but you also... Okay, so you you gave each one of your players like a five-minute period of time to just narrate something, like how their character was killing mm-hmm. someone, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was that's something that I totally just ripped off from other people that were running games in the one-shot group, <laughs> but I really liked the narrative introduction, and it's, you know, it's a really cool way to introduce uh, the character... But not having them be like, okay, you guys are in a room, unadorned room, all by yourselves. Go ahead and introduce <laughs> your characters. And it's like, well, my character is standing in the room, and he looks like this. It's like, no, I'm going to have it be a scene where it's a past, you know, mm-hmm. past target that they've eliminated. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that is a a cool way of introducing uh, characters, especially in a one shot game, because mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of spotlight time yep. in a one shot game, and so it's a good. Uh, excuse to let your character be super awesome from the get-go without without yeah. restraint, you know? Can you imagine five rogues in the room trying to introduce themselves one oh, yeah, up in each like, other? Yeah, I'm the yeah. cool one in the corner. There are only four corners of this room, okay? Yeah. You can't all be standing I'm in the standing corner. I'm standing directly in the... I'm hanging upside down from the ceiling. <laughs> You're all you're all tossing your knives in the air, really. I'm this doing is... <laughs> I'm doing those running backflips up the wall just constantly. You're like the sharks in the jets. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then the the other thing too, Barker, is you're talking about you know using one shots to flush out your your yeah. world. And yes, I love doing that. And there, I've I've run two one shots in Aranoth online and a couple offline just with various people in my home group, and it's a really awesome way of just like getting to know different towns and areas and NPCs and just kind of logging those away in the, you know, the, the Bible of Aranoth or whatever, like, oh, I wonder if the Provokers will ever meet this character or ever go to this mm-hmm. town. And yeah. I, I think the coolest thing to come out of that was my Orcs of Skull Ridge game when I had the Orcs steal this sword, and now the main villain in the Provokers game has that sword. And so it's like, it's it has echoes that have affected, you know, everything else, which is is cool to be able to do that. That was awesome. That was my fault. Sorry. What was your fault? <laughs> yeah, was Alex awesome. was Alex was an orc of Skull Ridge, yeah. and he uh, he, oh. he he is the one who I grabbed forgot. that sword. Yeah, yeah, he did. Thanks. Everyone else, everyone else was killing the troll, and Alex's character was sneaking into the into the tomb yeah. and taking the sword. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. So That's, at least that now sword I has almost killed a couple of the provokers. So good job, Alex. <laughs> Dude, I have been more damaged by an elevator than I have been by that sword. An elevator and a troll. What was it? It was. Uh, it was not a troll. It was an ogre, right? Uh, temple. Which, what are you talking about? Oh, in the temple, uh, it was a hill giant. Hill giant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the the Adiug in the well did a number on you as well. Oh yeah. Mm. Q. 
Jeez, that was a brother. bad session. The elevator and the audio in the well, right <laughs> one after the other. Matt was having a really bad day at the <laughs> office. And he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna kill those this guy came into the bathroom before me, and he just laid waste to the toilet. I'm gonna lay waste to the provokers. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put them down a well, like I was at 12:30 this afternoon. Oh my gosh. So, so let me let me ask you this, then, guys. How and specifically, Alex. How do you prep differently for a one shot? Like, what do you? Are there any major differences in how you prep for a one shot versus one session in the middle of a campaign? Oh yeah, because number one, like like we were saying, you you have to sort of you want to start in the middle, so you want to uh, drop the characters right into the action. You have to think in terms of of like you were saying a definitive goal, <clears throat> and you also want to create some sort of limitations for them you know whether it's geographic limitations or uh you know uh physical limitations or uh goal limitations but something that 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 keeps them focused on on that thing whatever it happens mm. to be and it can be it can be, it can be something as simple as their duty you know if, if they are um you know sworn to uphold x and <clears throat> someone steals x or violates x or whatever x happens to be then you know if assuming they're playing their character properly they, then they then they have to do it so right. you know there's a few ways to do that i ran a one shot uh it was a it was kind of cool it was it was for the uh, norbrook campaign and we did um this uh flashback one shot because i think we did it because one of the players couldn't make it so we decided to do something else and i didn't tell the uh, the players this, but it was it was actually the origin stories of two of the characters, um, and uh, it took place twenty years earlier. So they got to meet some of these other characters that been interacting with NPCs who were a lot younger. Um, oh, cool! There, there's a there's a paladin that they were interacting with who had this scarred face, and in this he was unscarred, but he became scarred during the course of the adventure. So oh, they they, cool. they saw how he, you know, that happened to him. So, but it, it was it was great to. Um, to not only fill in the game, you know, because you know when some when some everyone's disappointed when you can't play a game you're expecting to play. So rather than just blowing it off, we decided, well, we'll do this one shot, and I tied it into the history, so it actually um, enhanced, you know, the campaign, um, which is a which is kind of a cool tool to use with a one shot for. Right. See, I lo- I, I love stuff like that, and it just it it deepens the lore of your world mm-hmm. yeah. and makes your makes everything feel more connected <clears throat> and kind of just more cohesive. And I I liken it to like uh, like a Star Trek episode. Like for every episode mm-hmm. of Star mm-hmm. Trek that is like uh, you know part of the overarching plot, there's an episode where they're on the hollow deck for forty five minutes. Yep. You know, or there's an episode <laughs> where it's an alternate version of the Enterprise and everyone's mm-hmm. evil or something like that. And like that's the kind of stuff that you can do with yeah. one shots is enrich your world without necessarily affecting the greater kind of story or, or yeah. arc that you have in yeah. mind. Well, even cooler, uh, it was probably maybe a uh, half dozen uh, sessions later, they had to go f- look for one of those characters who, who's now, you know, an old man, you know, mm. because he has information that they need <laughs> from 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 the back then. So it was, it was right, kind of cool right. to bring it full circle that way as well. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. See, and I guess I've run some one shots before, sort of, not really, because I, and I just thought of this, and I mentioned it in an earlier episode. Uh, I was running a home game a while back where uh, the characters had this magical item that would transport them any place where someone needed help. 
Right, yeah. And, I remember you telling us about that. And there were, that was like two or three <clears throat> sessions, and that was kind of like one-shots, and they were terrible. They were so boring and bad, badly written, and but but it actually had a positive effect on my campaigns in that now I honestly think that I prepare each session of a campaign as if it's its own one-shot. Like, there's a certain plot arc that needs to be spoken. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. in this one session of The Winds of Cerceline, or in this one shot, right? So, like, it, think about The Lord of the Rings. And you guys jump in any time and be like, Barker, you're wrong, you suck, you've never run a one shot. <laughs> no, you're a loser. You watch Big Brother. Uh, anyway, but, like, picture The Lord of the Rings as a campaign, right? The shittiest mm-hmm. campaign ever. I'm the DM, and I'm like, you can't pass through the, the Pass of Caradhras because it's too snowy. you got to go through the mines. We don't want to go through the mines. We'll go through Rohan. No, there are birds there, and they're spying on you. I mean, I'm the worst DM in the world. And, and they're like, fine, we'll go through the fucking mines. The Mines of Moria, you know, if, 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 the, if the Lord of the Rings is a campaign, the Mines of Moria is a one-shot. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. got a plot arc, it's got a goal, uh, it's got you know the full emotion arc, a mm-hmm. plot arc or a plark as Alex accidentally called it earlier. Uh, I like that. I'm using me that too. From I, was now on. I was like, plark. it's plark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got the full plark of a movie because near the end you're like crying and it's anyway. <laughs> no spoilers, <laughs> but so I you know. Ultimately, how many encounters are there in the Mines of Moria in Lord of the Rings, right? There's, you know, the, the Watcher in the Water, you right. have yep. Goblins and Cave mm-hmm. Troll, and you have Balrog. Yep. yep. Three encounters seems like fantastic for a one-shot. Two or three mm. encounters. Yeah. yeah. And that's how, I, I didn't realize it until now, that's how I play in my campaign games. You know, I'll come up with a few different encounters that I know that, they're, that I think that they're probably going to discover... And I'll kind of leave it to the players to decide whether or not they're going to do this. The only difference is in a one-shot, uh, no, you're in the minds of Moria. You got to go forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of thing. That's uh, yeah. You know, that's actually mm-hmm. a good point, Barker. And like the the uh, the one-shot of the minds of Moria would begin like you know you're standing outside the gates and you can't seem to get the door open. You know, and as you're as you're sitting there. And the sun is setting. You see the water behind you stirring. You know that's mm-hmm. an yeah. awesome way to start out the the campaign of yeah. uh, or the campaign, the one shot of <laughs> the Mines of Moria. Yep. I thought it was a good so, analogy myself. So yeah, good well analogy, done. man. Well good done. job. Yeah. And good job, Barker. <laughs> All right, I'm retiring. <laughs> um, yeah, and there are there are other sources of inspiration too. Looking, there's a lot of um, short films being made now. We live in yeah. an age where. You know, a lot more people can make short films and put them on the internet. So looking looking up short films, fan made stuff, and seeing mm-hmm. what you know what they've come up with. Because again, because they only have a short time to tell their story, um, you can get a little bit of inspiration from those to say, okay, well, how they how did they start it? What did they do to limit this story to the just you know something that you could fit within a you know fifteen minute little movie that sort of thing. Exactly. Well, and that's and the those short films that you're talking about, Alex, are like our perfect examples of how to do a fun little one shot that wouldn't work mm-hmm. as a campaign. Like yeah. you guys are bank robbers, but you have portal guns. You know, like it's just like right. you would never want to run a com- <laughs> campaign to that, but it would be so fun to run as a one shot. Yep. Yep. 
we were talking to what Dark Sun, right? That was the, what mm-hmm. we were talking about. Is like one of the coolest campaign settings ever, but like. I don't want to play in a campaign there. That yeah, would be like five or six sessions in. I'd be like, I'm so hot and thirsty, and I can't find any metal anywhere. <laughs> I just, I just want to drink a water and some metal. The halflings are trying to eat me. This sucks. <laughs> the, the, the game itself affects your physical body. Like it's like when I play Skyrim. It could be the middle of the summer, and I'll need a blanket and a cup of hot yeah. chocolate while I'm playing Skyrim because I'm just freezing my ass off. <laughs> no, but yeah, but I mean, you know, if you're playing in a campaign and you want to try something new, you know, we've talked, we've already brought that up a few times, but yeah, try, bring out the Dark Sun and play one session, if yeah. you're, you know, instead of playing a video game or a board game. Right. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, and it's, it's licensed to get kind of weird with your Game Master. Yeah. If you're like... I want to try some different narrative techniques. Like, I want to mess around with time. Like, I want to have some stuff be flashback and some stuff be present day. It's like, I'm going to do a one-shot and try that out. Or, you know, I, w- I want to do, um, you know, a different way of rolling the dice and a different way of determining successes and, and, and failures. So I'm going to try this one-shot and see hmm. how it works out. It's, it's almost like a way to play test different ideas that you have. That is a good point, play testing house rules. Uh, mm-hmm. If you think of something, oh, you know what? This sounds like it'd be a fun house rule, but... Maybe it wouldn't. Let's try it. And, yeah, you know, let's try it on a one yeah. shot and see how it see how it plays yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. and, and that's going to obviously influence how you design the one shot. You're going to want to design it so that you're actually going to be able to use this this uh, you know new feature you want to include. Exactly. Well, and it's it's a you can always kind of sort of tailor the rules to the one shot. And yeah. what I mean by that is like like. In the Umbercloaks game, I wanted it to feel like they were just like badass assassins moving through this this castle, and so I was like, "You guys don't have to roll to kill these mooks. Like mm-hmm. these guard, yeah. these t- house guards. All you have to do is succeed on a stealth roll, and then you describe how you kill them. Because yeah. if you can get close enough to them without them noticing, they're dead. Like they, there's right. nothing they can do about it. And Which that that's awesome. not yeah. that's not a mechanic that I would implement into a campaign ever. But it's perfect for a one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about uh, when you're p- doing a one-shot is really considering the system that you're using as well. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, 5th uh, edition D&D is, is, you know, work, works fine, especially with people who know who know the system. If you're, if you're working with experienced players, then it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're introducing a new system, uh, you almost have to have, you know, a pre... A, you almost can't have a one shot you almost have to have a two shot because Mm -hmm. the first one has to be kind of going over characters and then talking about the rules and then Mm -hmm. the actual one shot is when you play the game because you know depending on how complex it is but some of some systems just lend themselves much better to it like fate is a really great for one shots yeah i've run several fate one shots and it's awesome because right built into it is when you're doing character creation they they weave the story they weave the character stories together right from the get go exactly and so yeah. that's done you know there's nothing you have to think of or, or or work with so and and it's fast so it's a it's a great um great one shot system exactly yeah I love fate for one shots absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. Or short campaigns too. I, I could never yeah. imagine playing like a twenty session campaign with the same fate character. No, no. But like two to three sessions yeah. of a like a little short campaign that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Another thing I wanted to bring up, too, is the idea of a series of connected one-shots. I've never mm. done anything like this, but there are a, a couple of guys in the one-shot group that do things like this where you might have characters that are reoccurring characters, but you have people kind of slipping in and out of the... It's sort of like a campaign, but they're like they're kind of self-contained episodes, almost, where you have different characters kind of coming in and out. Have you guys ever done anything like that? or? Hmm. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, oh, who started? There was a, uh, there was a, there was a one-shot campaign group that someone set up, and basically you can go, you can go in anytime you want if someone's doing a one-shot and just be part of it. But it's mm-hmm. all, but it's all part of the same uh, adventure. They're all, you're all part of the same adventurers guild, and right. so um, the characters are sort of always there, and you can just decide who's going out on this particular adventure, that sort of thing. And so right. it, was, it was a neat way to sort of bind everyone together. Um, I haven't been as involved in it as I, you know, would have liked to have been, but it's uh, it's a really cool idea. Yeah, well, and it, it, that helps too because it's like, oh, well, this guy can play, but no one else can. So it's like well, he's gonna he's gonna play, and then we're gonna have three people who haven't played before, you yeah. know, and they're just gonna be different different characters or whatever. So I kind of like that idea. That that idea appeals to me as someone with kind of limited time to be able to run a campaign or play in games. It'd be cool mm-hmm. to kind of just drop in and out when I can. Yeah. How much time do you spend prepping on something like that? Cuz cuz Matt like you said, you just like tr- dropping jumping into a game, leaving the game. What I mean that's what that's a huge benefit I see in one shots and we all do. Yeah. Is just the ability to play a game when we can play a game. So, mm-hmm. if you want to run a game when you can run a game and it's and it's a one shot, like what what sort of prep do you guys put into mm-hmm. it? I would say I actually probably prep a little bit more for one-shots than I do for a session of a campaign, just because there's more context that needs to be put around mm. the self-contained sort of one-shot, but um, I don't I don't kill myself over it. I just make sure that I have, you know, a few scenes that I think are going to happen, some encounters, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah, I guess uh, for me it depends how plot-heavy it is. If, it, mm. if it's... Uh, <clears throat> well, for example, if, if, I'm se- if I set it up where... Um, where you're 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 playing passengers on this uh, on this passion passenger liner that's suddenly been infected with a zombie plague. Mm-hmm. Um, you, your goal is basically just to get off the ship and get to safety. You know, yeah. so um, very little prep work is needed. You know, I, I download the uh, the plans for a, a uh, uh, you know cruise ship on offline. You know, I, I make up stats for the zombies, which are pretty much all very similar. Maybe make up a few key NPCs and let you know. Then you go to town. <laughs> I think right. lo- locations you know? would be fun too. Like you know, okay, here's the encounter that's going to happen in yeah. the in the food court. This right, is going right. to happen on the tennis courts. This is going to yeah. happen. Like it's going to be like a huge cruise liner or something like that. So. Exactly. But, but it's <clears throat> but that's basically a very simple you know prep. But if there's more of a storyline involved or more complex. Um, uh, more more complex more complex goal, then uh, then yeah, there's going to be more prep involved. But, but, but I don't know. I I, I kind of think the opposite. For me, it's um, I don't know, maybe two three hours tops for yeah oh, for a one shot prep. That's what I was going to say for me too. About probably about two hours for a four hour game is probably my average. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think Matt. I think. He, 
and Alex, I think I think your two hours is different from my two hours because in two like I'll start I'll start with a blank sheet of paper and I'll be like, I have a cool title and then I'll be like, all right, that's cool. I'm gonna uh, get a cup of coffee. I'm gonna figure, oh shit, Jeopardy's on. What well, is Pamela Anderson? Yes. Oh, I should have said who. Damn it, Alex Trebek. Oh, Thirty well, minutes yeah, fast. The, the thing with one shots though is, um, unlike a campaign where you have to plan. You know, you know things are coming up. I'll usually usually one shot happens with me because I think of a cool idea. So yeah. you know, I'll I'll get an inspiration like, oh, zombies cruise ship, yeah, definitely. And then and then I they you know go go quickly online and find some you know find some maps and then you know and then it just explodes from there. So I I, mm. I don't usually just sit down with a you know playing piece of paper saying I want to run one shot, but what will it be? You know, mm-hmm. it's not not quite the same. Yeah, that's yeah, that's you only like prep for the one shot when inspiration strikes. When you're yeah. when you're like really jazzed about an idea, like oh man, yeah, zombies on a cruise ship. That's that's when you write down all the the stuff for the one shot, and you can you can get all that done in an hour or two, absolutely. <laughs> or Yeti's in a pipeline, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeti's at a pipeline, <laughs> and there's get, there's going to be was... some asshole rolling eighteen d twelves against him. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, how that one came about. It was it was just like that. I, I had watched. Oh, I think it was, was it a documentary about about uh, Bigfoot or something like that. I forget what it was, but um, so I, I saw I saw I saw a video online that inspired me to like oh that that I'm gonna have something with with uh, with Yetis involved with Cthulhu. So yeah, and then absolutely. It, it just. Uh, Guys, I don't know why this bugs me so much. I don't know why. Yetis are from the Himalayas. Sasquatch is from the northwest of the United States. Well, they are believed to be the same species. Uh, simply the, yeah, uh, they, the, 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 the the ones in the northwest came across during they have the last two different ice age. Wikipedia articles. They came across completely during different. the last ice age when there was a land bridge. Uh, joining Asia to North yeah. America. Actually, you know what? I believe Alex knows more about <laughs> crazy-ass mythological hor- horrific creatures than I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to defer to Alex My on this money subject. is on Alex. Okay. Yeah, you call yeah, them whatever yeah. you want, Alex. <laughs> they're yes I didn't call them anything. I think, I, think, uh, I think it was Matt who started calling them Yetis. So I, yeah, I, I think uh, I did. I, and, then, uh, and then I just started, kept calling them Yetis because yeah. it was really bothering Barker. So... <laughs> I remember. I remember during the game, he's like in the chat, like Yetis are from the Himalayas, and I'm like, yeah. So I uh, I aim down the sights at the Yeti, Yeti. and uh, I pump that Yeti full of lead. But it, but it was perfect to be a character because he would he would just think he would just call him Yetis because that's that's yeah the exactly was, exactly. <laughs> Technically, I didn't give them a name. Uh, yeah, it's true. We just assign them names. It's very true. Maybe his name was Yeti, like Maybe. Yeti Anderson or something like Yeti that. the Sasquatch. Yeti yeah. Smith, yeah. <laughs> Yeti the Yeti the Yeti. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh my. I just think for me, for me, like Bigfoot is a big brown guy wandering around the forest, mm-hmm. and a Yeti is like in the snow. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's how I kind yeah. of. That's why I went with Yeti is because I imagine them having because it was white snowy, fur yeah. and being more polar berry. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> at least I didn't. At least I didn't sit there calling him the abominable snowman for oh, that would have been four worse. hours yeah. or whatever. That would have been horrible. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we pull a uh, last episode, uh, do you guys want to 
uh, take a question from the listeners? Yes, uh, I do. I, I think okay, so do. if you're unaware, facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Uh, every Monday or Tuesday, we will post our topic of choice, and, a bu- and you can post your questions in the comments, and the one with the most likes will be answered. So I'm going to jump into the one with the most likes right now. Okay, so this, uh, this person is KCM, got 11 likes on his question. How can I have my one-shot game carry more significance than just fetch X, kill Y, persuade Z? No, that's, that's pretty much a one-shot. Yeah. Uh, how can I reward... I like this. How can I reward my players without saying, here's some gold you'll never use? Um. And I... Story. Yeah. Memorable story. That, yeah. Also giving them awesome scenes. I mean, you know... And again, I know we talked about the pipeline a lot just because it's something we did together. But um, just, just you know, Matt's character machine gunning a Yeti. You know, yeah. wh- where else are you going to have a story like that? Exactly. <laughs> well, I killed like 17 Yetis, like in a, in a couple of sessions. I mean, that's, that is its own reward. <laughs> um, but I well, talked I- to a couple of Yetis. <laughs> And I did. And I I got my hand broken. I shot at one. I missed. Yes. You also lit the flares that saved our bacon, though, at the end. Yeah. I was totally preparing to, like, pull an anaconda. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, the movie Anaconda. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chug your beers. Anyway, (laughs) I've seen Anaconda, which is awful. But there's a scene at the very beginning where a guy's running away from the anaconda and he's climbing the top of the tower and the anaconda's chasing him. And at the very end, you know, he's facing the anaconda and he shoots himself. Right. Just to show, like, <laughs> I'd rather shoot myself than get eaten by an anaconda. Yeah. Oh, and I was totally been intense, ready man. at the top of the tower. Uh, but you guys just killed all the yetis. <laughs> like, oh, man. Good to well, see uh, you didn't need me at all. Well, well t- it wasn't a happy ending though, because it, I, I probably shot you in the helicopter as we were leaving. So yeah, Pro- uh, yeah probably you were, were going to turn into a Yeti anyway. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, another way to do it, like we discussed, is it doesn't have to be in a vacuum. So if it if you have another campaign going on, you can tie it into that, and yeah, it can be used to add lore to an existing campaign if it's not directly connected to it. It can be a backstory for a part of the campaign or a, uh, a flashback of some kind. I mean, th- there's a lot of ways you can tie it into an existing an existing thing. Um, yeah. Other than that, creating, like I said, creating awesome scenes that people are going to talk about. and uh, Or just having, you know, an awesome story. Yeah, well, and with a one-shot, you don't need to worry so much um, about players living and dying or... <laughs> Characters living in time. <laughs> I do that all the time. You don't that's, need to worry so much Big about. Big Brother, Matt. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, I was thinking of Big Brother. I was thinking of RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm sorry. Characters living and dying. You don't need to worry about it as much. Yeah. So you could just go all out. Like you could yeah. just come out guns blazing and let them do likewise. You know, it's like people are always. Well, what if they kill my villain right away? It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's a one shot. If they if they just totally decimate the villain that you've set up, it's fine. It's a one shot, man. Yeah. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Make your villain self destruct. <laughs> <laughs> what if they kill my villain right away? He's got a bomb strapped to his chest. Yeah. I mean, come I'm on. Taking you with me. It's the best thing ever. Do you guys want to make a one shot? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Do you want to just run a one-shot right now? 
<laughs> do you guys have, do you guys have three? Okay, hours? so uh, we're gonna start in a tavern and um, oh, go ahead and describe your characters, uh, <laughs> Matt. Uh, my character is wearing a jaunty uh, tunic of blue silk that he got from his father, the Lord Bluffington of Onsworth. And... That's all I got. I tapped out, man. That was pretty I was... good. That was... <laughs> yeah. that was fair, yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to have a rogue like flipping a dagger in the corner. <laughs> there, are, there are only so many corners of the room for you to stand in. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll, uh, and uh, and we'll I don't know. First up, we'll decide. I don't know where the one shot takes place. Maybe. Now we'll just kick it off. Why not? Um, that would be Alex. Awesome. Well, just just to uh, uh, go against the grain, this is going to be in a tavern, but the tavern awesome. has been snowed in. Uh, oh, a, bl- nice. a blizzard has has closed in this uh, this this tavern. It's actually more of a roadhouse, kind of in between uh, uh, places along this trade road. That uh, this unseasonal blizzard has sort of closed it in, and uh, has has sort of secluded just uh, uh, these uh, uh, these dozen or so uh, people here, including the uh, uh, the the rather reclusive uh, uh, tavern innkeeper who uh um doesn't doesn't talk much but uh he uh uh he has uh, some rather nasty scars about his face and and head and and his knuckles are all are all beat up and he's missing a couple of fingers um wow but uh uh yeah so there's there's just these people secluded in this in this building awesome, awesome. i love it i am to Okay, that's Matt. Okay, so I think uh, that some of the people who are trapped in this tavern, there's three of them. Two of them are knights from one of the cities at the ends of these at the end of this uh, trade road, and the third is a prisoner that they are escorting with them. And this is a high priority prisoner. This guy is a known murderer. He is extremely dangerous. This is like the Riddick of this world and these two guys are in charge of escorting this guy but they've been snowed in and so they're basically trying to figure out like okay what are we going to do with this guy while we wait for the snow to clear and so when the one shot begins the knights are basically just standing in front of this guy who is like manacled to the wall of this tavern just like in the (laughs) corner Um, and maybe something happens where you know one of the PCs comes downstairs in the middle of the night and the manacles are broken and the knights are dead or something like that and um, it could kind of set off the plot of the one shot where they're like, okay, there's a like, known murderer trapped in the in with us. We know he hasn't left because there's nine feet of snow outside. We, we need to find him and, and deal with this problem. Okay, very cool. I like that. Cool. And that's me. Okay. That was one of the long ones where it's just like spinning in place. And I'm like, God, just land so I can say it's my turn. <laughs> <sighs> First world problems. Anyway. Um, okay, so some of the encounters that might happen are, yeah, like you mentioned, Matt, they see the manacles are broken. Um, uh, and But this person is obviously still in the tavern because there's no tracks leading away from the tavern. It's It seems impossible to get out. Uh, there's no tr- there's a, a hatch in the ceiling that they might check, but there's no footprints leading away again. Um, 
And so some encounters that might happen are uh, a mixture of kind of murder mystery type things, except for not necessarily because you know who done it, but trying to stop the next one. Uh, while I, I think a, a, another great encounter would be maybe this person is hiding in the walls. Mm-hmm. And so imagine having this huge kind of fight occur after uh, either inside the walls or mm-hmm. after this guy just breaks through a wall and there he is. Oh, man, that would be so cool. Um, yeah. the, one of the things I was thinking, actually, this reminded me, and this is going in a completely different direction, but I uh, taking a little inspiration from uh, The Mist, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a very similar plot mm-hmm. idea where... You know, this very unseasonally thing happens, right? The Mm -hmm. snow falls, and this isn't the mist, obviously, it's mist. But in this game, the snow (laughs) falls, and it's in the middle of summer, and everybody's stranded, but all of a sudden these monsters begin kind of attacking anybody out in the snow. So you have to defend against these monsters and also defend yourself against each uh, these other people like religious fanatics who believe yeah. that you know this their god has the brought the snow upon yeah. them it's the end times so you know it's get going all lord of the flies yeah. up in this tavern and yeah and uh and all the while maybe there's a prisoner a very high profile prisoner that's there and maybe you need his help to kill the monsters yeah that's that's actually that is i parker have you ever seen pitch black <laughs> chug your beer <laughs> You've seen it, yay! What, dude, I that's you know that that pitch what <laughs> that, that game pitch was pitch black meets the mist, really. Yes, yeah, no, that was awesome. That's what I was gonna say. Is that is like pitch black meets the mist because the the guy that they're all afraid of, Riddick, is mm-hmm. not the monster. It's yeah. it's the the monster monsters, and then he has to help them. You could, you could I all, love you, it, man. That's awesome. I was gonna say you could also put a twist on it where the uh, this 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 cryptic uh, innkeeper is actually this guy's father. And he's the one who's who helps who helped not only helped him escape but but oh. but, let, but, uh, but hit, hit him in the walls to try and yeah uh, and try I love and get that him oh that's very cool because I know he done bad but he's my son that's right that's he's right my son like you so, can't go so, against your own blood so, so, you, so you couldn't so you could end up having like a cool twist when they you know maybe they maybe they finally capture the guy and it's like they're talking to the innkeeper it's like uh, you know where where can we where can we uh, you know lock him up it's like you ain't locking no one up. <laughs> you know, and he yeah, turns I'm on locking it's like, you up. Yeah. <laughs> Twist. Ain't nobody's locking nobody. Locking, locking. <laughs> Kill him, pa! Kill him! It's good to be back. Good to be back. It is, it's good to have you back, Mitt. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. The magic is returned. I mean, Alex totally <laughs> shouldered the podcast while you were gone. In the editing and actual podcasting department were you just beside yourself with grief that i wasn't around barker uh, yeah. just <laughs> I, I did have to cut out a lot of weeping um whenever you, whenever your name was mentioned i just wish matt was here whenever your name was mentioned he you know there'd be these sobs so like, yeah he measured it. the voice uh the frequencies of my voice and used a, a software app to just turn it De- all the way down it, yeah <laughs> so oh. eventually you know instead of the <laughs> all you hear is No, nope, that's Barker crying. <laughs> Everyone listening is just like, what is that noise in the background? That's Barker crying in post. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> oh, well, man. yeah, I'm glad I'm back and that you're not sobbing anymore, Barker. Thank you very much. Or if you are, we've already edited it out. Edited is a very difficult word to say. 
it's a very difficult word to say, and it is unfortunate because that is what I do as as a living. Yeah. Especially when you have to say, I edited it. I edited it. I edited it out. It sounds like a edit machine gun. Oh, God, I'm hit. Every time I try to say it, I sound drunk. Yep. At least awesome. I got that segue right. That's you right. did. Oh. You got it right, man. You're good at that. You're good at knocking that bottle over. That's right. <laughs> I, I like to think that it's the same bottle every time, too. It's just it's become the roll up and die bottle that you just have <laughs> sitting there that you just knock over whenever you. It, it's to. a. It has been every single time. It's a large bottle of 14 hands Riesling that's been empty for probably, I, maybe almost a year. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so. Uh, Awesome podcast, guys. Yeah, good Indeed. job. We have to do your sign-off. Oh. Oh, I did the segue before the sign-off. You did. Um, uh, thank you for listening to Roll Up and Die. I fucked up the segue when I thought I did the segue good. You know what? You can knock that bottle over again. No. It's cheap. Thank you for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, everybody. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And let me just get this ready for the sign-off. And... Okay. Yetis are for the, from the Himalayas. <laughs> Batman rules! <laughs> Last word. Batman. Batman I'm cutting that out. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.